0: Here we are, day two of the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 mock draft. We are going picks seven through 13. Got to run down what happened on yesterday's show. My co host for this program is Matt Williamson, usually the host here on Locked On NFL. You are familiar with him. He is our resident scout, and we had a great time going through picks one through six yesterday. Matt, you ready to do it all again?
1: Yeah, that was fun. This is going to be a really fun exercise. I am excited. Let's roll.
0: So let's go back over what happened. Pick one through six. Yesterday's program, we started off at the top with the Arizona Cardinals. Pick number one, they did not go quarterback. They selected Nick Bosa, widely thought of as the best player in this draft. Number two overall, Quinnen Williams to the 49ers. Number three was the New York Jets. They selected Josh Allen out of Kentucky, the edge player. Pick number four. You thought, maybe this is the quarterback spot. No, the Oakland Raiders going with the best linebacker in this class, the best true linebacker in Devin White out of LSU. And then this is when things got fun. Pick number five, the Cincinnati Bengals traded up to pick five with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selecting quarterback Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma, ending his fall. And then we ended with the New York Giants in pick number six and Rashawn Gary. Trevor Sykema and Ben Solak at Locked On NFL Draft HQ. What stood out from day one and what can we expect here on day two, pick seven through 13 of the mock Draft?
2: Ben, it was a pretty exciting first day. We had a big trade. Kyler didn't end up going number one overall, uh, but he didn't end up going in that top five pick, not to a team that was picking in the top five. I thought that that was a pretty interesting uh, way to start the draft. And then here, pick seven through 13, that's what we're doing today. That holds a lot of intrigue because not only did we get a team that moved back, We've got some teams who are flexible. Perhaps there's some trades in here. I'm not so sure, but there's a lot of different ways a lot of these teams can go. What are you excited for today?
3: I oh, man, I'm wondering where the offensive tackles fall. We had none go in the top that's six, a good point. despite the fact that a few teams need them. And I think you've got, you know, potential blue chippers, potential top ten grades for teams, and Jonah Williams out of Alabama, Jawan Taylor out of Florida, and even Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. Where are these top tier bookends gonna fall? It's a crucial position. If you can get a cheap one that's good, it's huge for your roster. There's a lot of guys that have
2: hype in this class that still haven't been off the board, right? I mean, guys like Ed Oliver, um, guys like Brian Burns, TJ Hawkinson, even DK Metcalf. Maybe a little Christian Wilkins in there too, Montez Sweat. There's all these names of players that you hear teams and analysts really like, but where their landing spot is is all over the place. Do you think a lot of those names, the guys that I kind of named, is this a sweet spot for them, or are there a couple guys maybe I didn't name that might be able to jump in? You talked offensive tackles, I guess, there a little bit.
3: Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, like the names you mentioned, you can justify them falling out of the top six, you know, top eight. Hawkinson at a tight end. How valuable is that position? Brian Burns is a smaller rusher. Ed Oliver's a smaller interior guy. Teams are going to be a little bit more fearful of that. So yeah, I mean, the blue chippers, the can't miss guys, yep. Quinn and Williams, Nick Bosa, they're off the board. We already we're at pick seven. We have to start answering questions, tough ones about these prospects and their potential pitfalls.
2: Going to be an exciting day. Looking forward to it. Matt and Brian, back to you guys.
0: That brings us to the Jacksonville Jaguars and pick number seven. Let's jump to Zach Goodall and Chris Thornton in the Jaguars draft
4: room. This is a really fun exercise. We're excited to take part in it. And we're going to reveal what our draft process was here with the Jaguars' seventh overall pick. I'm Zach Goodall. I am joined by my co-GM as well as co-host Chris Thornton. We put together a pretty solid board of the remaining prospects Uh, After, obviously, the first six picks, Uh, in no order. We were considering Ohio State quarterback Dwayne Haskins, Iowa tight end uh, T.J. Hawkinson, Mississippi State defensive end Montez Sweat, Florida right tackle Jawan Taylor, Houston defensive tackle Ed Oliver, Alabama offensive tackle Jonah Williams, and Florida State defensive end Brian Burns. And we looked at defense even though obviously the offense needs so much improvement compared to the defense strictly because you know, the Jaguars have gone out and signed a lot of players on offense. So we think that they could be looking to do this because they love to look at the trenches, but Chris run me through your th- thought process on some of these defenders and why we inevitably
3: ruled them out for the Jaguars. The defensive line is by no means a weak point on the team. And they just signed Nick Foles to you know franchise money, four years, $88 million uh, with a you know value of 102 if he hits all of his incentives. But I think going trenches on the defensive side uh, is not a pick that you need to be making because you're picking seventh for a reason and you have holes on offense. So I think that's one of my biggest deterrents to picking on the D-line is that there are much bigger holes elsewhere.
5: And
4: given that there are much bigger holes elsewhere... While everyone loves the idea of Aaron Rodgers in a quarterback behind Nick Foles for the first two years, there are obviously now bigger holes on the offense other than quarterbacks. So that's what kind of scratched Dwayne Haskins off the list, even though we were really intrigued by that idea.
3: Yeah, I mean, all offseason we were we kind of wanted Dwayne Haskins, but then they gave Nick Foles the money that we didn't think they would. So uh, that kind of forced our hands into only a few more prospects.
4: In which case, that leaves us with Iowa tight end, TJ Hawkinson, Florida right tackle, Jawan Taylor and Alabama offensive lineman, Jonah Williams. So we looked at this and we look at the Jaguars thresholds because Doug Marone, he definitely has a type when it comes to tackles. He loves height, weight and length. And Jonah Williams does not meet the height and length aspects of this with relatively short arms. He honestly is starting to project to being a bit of a guard. And while we love that versatility, we know Doug, is very strict about what he likes to tackle. That kind of scratched Jonah Williams off the list. However, if we were running this club, personally, I'd take Williams over Taylor from a skill perspective. That leaves us with Jawan Taylor and TJ Hawkinson. Chris, you're a Gator fan. In a couple of seconds, tell me quickly what you thought about Taylor before we announce the pick.
6: Got better as he went on through school.
4: He definitely did. I still have my concerns. Had 12 penalties in 2018 and a lot of no-calls either, and that's a concern for me with this offensive line group. They already have a lot of penalties called on them on top of the injury issues. So all in all, we decided to go with a game changer. Nick Foles targeted tight ends on 33% of his targets in Philadelphia over the past two years. He had the help of Zach Ertz, who's one of the best tight ends in the league. We believe that TJ Hawkinson can turn into just that, and we think he can do it pretty quickly. Therefore, we brought in someone that should gel with Foles pretty, pretty quickly there and ultimately give the Jaguars something that they've never had at tight end, and that is a game changer, both as a run blocker and in the pass game. TJ Hawkinson, welcome to Duval. So TJ Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa, one
0: of two tight ends that potentially uh, from Iowa could be in this first round conversation. Matt, are you a TJ Hawkinson fan? I think yesterday you did mention how you thought he was one of the best players on the board going into day two here.
1: Yeah, I love him. And I do expect him to fall in this neighborhood. There's about five teams, right? That we'll be talking about pretty much all of them today that could grab Hawkinson in, in the early, you know, early first round. I think he's the best two way tight end out there. Great pick for the Jags. I mean, there's some rumors that they could go offensive tackle. They could go maybe a DK Metcalf. I think he's a good blend of the two. And, you know, Nick Foles is taking over there. Uh, You're going to see a lot of Eagles-like concepts. They stress the tight end as much as any team in the league. He's going to help in the run game. He's going to help the line. Um, I love it. I, I think that's exactly who the Jags should want. I mean, all the Jags fans out there listening should keep their fingers crossed that it goes this way.
0: I know Noah Fant is a a very athletic player, but just watching how the sophomore in TJ Hawkinson could take over that role and be the guy who was even a a bigger impact player for Iowa and his ball skills and seeing his size going up to get the ball. And he's a a well-rounded player that he can block as well, much like George Kittle was coming out of Iowa. So that's a fantastic pick, and he's a really good player. And, hey – Top 10 tight end, that's no joke. You got to be a legit player at that position to be going this high in the draft, number seven overall at tight end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great fit. I think it's a no brainer if he's there. I expect him to be there. Um, I would be I'll be down on the Jags if they pass on him at seven.
0: Let's hear from Andrew Wade. He's the host of Locked On Hawkeyes, has a little more insight into the person and player that is TJ Hawkinson.
6: T.J. Hawkinson, a Sheraton, Iowa native, just turned in one of the best seasons in the history of Iowa football for a tight end, and now he is officially a Jacksonville Jaguar. This past season, his redshirt sophomore year, Hawkinson was an All-American, the John Mackey Award winner, the Ozzy Newsom Award winner, and the Quaylett-Clark tight end of the year in the Big Ten after catching 46 balls for 717 yards and 6 touchdowns while adding another on the ground. Hawkinson gives Nick Foles a versatile weapon at tight end. While not as much of a vertical threat as his tight end counterpart Noah Fant, Hawkinson has the ability to stretch the field like a Zach Ertz who previously played with Nick Foles in Philadelphia. He's got great hands and he will immediately be one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL in his first season. He can absolutely pancake players. He'll be a huge asset in the passing and the running game for the Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: All right, moving on to pick number eight in the Locked On Podcast Network mock draft. The Detroit Lions are on the clock, and we have Matt Derry in the Lions draft room. It looks like the pick is in. How do you think this would go here with the Detroit Lions at number eight overall?
1: A lot of directions they could go. I would think they would like to get Hawkinson as well. They need pass rush help. Really, every layer of the defense could use some attention, another corner. Uh, They like to play a lot of man coverage. They really need three. Um, But there isn't really a corner that jumps out here. So I would imagine it'll be on the defensive side of the ball.
0: We haven't heard from the draft dudes yet today. I want to check in on Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, get their reaction to the Hawkinson pick, as well as look ahead to 8-13 through and what they expect to happen the rest of the day too.
7: There it is, Kyle. We have seen the first tight end come off the board, TJ Hawkinson, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I like this. I'm not necessarily always in favor of taking tight ends in the top 10, but when you think about Nick Full stepping in at the quarterback position and trying to replicate the things that made him successful. In Philadelphia, one thing he always had was a deep arsenal of tight ends. Jacksonville has nothing like what he has enjoyed in Philadelphia. And getting arguably the best tight end in the class here, a guy that can really be a difference maker at the position, Hawkinson makes sense. Makes a lot of sense to me to the Jaguars at pick number seven.
8: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, Joe. If there's a tight end in this year's group that you feel good about getting snaps early on in his pro career, it's Hawkinson because you know, a lot of times these tight ends, these modern tight ends, they come into the pros – And coaches struggle with utilization with them early on because they want them to play by the rules of your hands in the dirt. You got to play in line and Hawkinson doesn't have to worry about that. So he is going to be a player that hopefully can be an impact player for the Jaguars from day one. You know, they have this top 10 pick signing Nick Foles, upgrading the quarterback position. Now you're upgrading the pass catchers with a big body. I like this move for them. Kyle looking ahead here to picks eight through 13 the next next five
7: picks seems like we could have some quarterback spots coming up here with the Broncos coming up with Miami with quarterback still on the board is somebody going to trade up we've got defensive talent available guys like Ed Oliver on the on the board Devin Bush. Brian Burns. So it feels like we have a run coming on quarterbacks and defensive linemen, which has been the storyline
8: of this draft as we talked about leading into this thing. There you go. Right. It's it's playing out perfectly. So now let's see how things materialize as these next round of quarterback hungry teams are coming up on the board.
0: Let's go to that Lions draft room and Matt Derry making the selection at number eight.
9: Thanks, guys, inside the Lions' war room. Probably not something that they like seeing in terms of picks 1 through 7. I think the Lions, and I think we're looking at the opportunity to add somebody on defense that can be a playmaker. Bob Quinn, general manager, talked about this uh, after the season, that they need to add playmakers, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think in the grand scheme of things, in this scenario, in this mock draft, all of these defensive playmakers, the guys that I think they really love – at number eight are all gone. Rashawn Gary gone. Devin White gone. Josh Allen, who made a visit to Allen Park, gone. Quinn and Williams gone, and obviously somebody like Nick Bosa. Um, if you if you look at what the Lions are looking for, they got to get somebody that can rush the passer. There's no question about that. I think the inside linebacker Devin White would have been a fantastic pick here, but he's already been snapped up here in this uh, lockdown draft by the Raiders at number four. T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end, is a playmaker. Remember the Lions' history. They have drafted tight ends in the first round twice in the last 10, 15 years. If you go back to Brandon Pettigrew and Eric Ebron, and both were a disaster, especially Ebron, at least here in Detroit. So while Hawkinson goes at number seven, I think that would have been a a huge sigh of relief for Lions fans. So Hawkinson being gone takes him out of the mix for Detroit, obviously, at number eight, as he was just taken by Jacksonville. I'm looking at number eight. And, you know, what needs are we talking about? We're talking about getting to the passer. So, Brian Burns, the defensive end, the edge from Florida State is there. Ed Oliver, a defensive tackle with Houston that a lot of teams like maybe to play out on the perimeter and be possibly a rush end is there. Devin Bush, local kid from Michigan. I think it's a little bit too high to be talking about him at number 8. Montez Sweat, Lions like him a lot from Mississippi State. Started his career at Michigan State. So, as I look at this... And I see guys like Sweat, Bush, Burns, and Oliver available. And also the possibility that the big tackle, Juwan Taylor, is there at number eight, the fl- tackle from Florida. Lions need a starting right guard now that TJ Lang is gone. But I- I'm going to look at it and say, from a need standpoint and best available player, which is what Bob Quinn usually does, the Detroit Lions at number eight select Ed Oliver, defensive tackle from Houston. Why Ed Oliver? Pretty simple. Um, you know, Like I said, a guy that is going to add to the defensive line already with, with the signing of Trey Flowers, with Sean Robinson, Deshaun Hand already there, uh, and Snacks Harrison. This will be another defensive lineman that will really get the job done, and they can move around for Matt Patricia, head coach is a defensive-minded guy. and Especially with Hawkinson and Devin White gone, I think their next choice will be Ed Oliver. Expect in rounds two and three, the Lions to have to find a tight end, have to find a right guard, and maybe even another running back to compliment Carry on Johnson. Back to you.
0: Ed Oliver, the bowling ball out of Houston, put up supreme numbers, four seven, one forty, I believe, at six one, two hundred and eighty-seven pounds. A really unique player, and size wise is probably why he's even still on the board at number eight.
1: Yeah, an exceptional athlete, and he was a Many talked about him as the first pick overall going into, you know, last college season. Um, bowling ball of butcher knives. I mean, he is really well suited for today's NFL interior pass rush is king. They added flowers. I think on throwing downs, you might see those two next to each other Two complementary players. This pass rush got a lot better.
0: Do you think Aaron Donald helps someone like Ed Oliver who might not fit the the perfect mold for what teams are looking for with a height and weight and how he's built?
1: Absolutely. And Geno Atkins before him, uh, Grady Jarrett, you know, Atkins and Jarrett weren't as high of picks as Donald. Um, But I think people were realizing they don't have to look like, you know, how you draw it up on the board to be a great interior player. And at times, often more than the times, the, the leverage That these smaller guys create is a great asset.
0: Peter Bukowski, host of Locked On Packers, breaking down all of our defensive linemen here. How's the fit for Ed Oliver in Detroit? As the host of Locked On Packers, this is a tough one because I
10: think Ed Oliver might just be the best player in this draft. He is certainly right there in the mix with Nick Bosa and Josh Allen as the elite blue chip players in this draft and for him to fall to eight for the Detroit Lions is an absolute coup for them at Oliver a former top recruit choosing to stay home in Houston and all he did was walk onto campus and start dominating his coming out party was the virtuoso performance against Oklahoma in a national TV game and while he never quite got back to those moments in big games. When he wants to turn it up, he absolutely can. The 2018 season is really just not representative of what he's capable of doing because he was playing out of position, playing a lot of nose tackle. In the NFL, the hope will be, You put him at three technique, and he can eat guards alive. If you go back to 2016 and 2017 with Ed Oliver, he's wrecking games. For me, when you're talking about the number one defensive lineman in this draft, it came down to him versus Quinnen, and I'll go with the guy who came right onto the field to impact games. His last three years of big-time production, and he tested incredibly well at his pro day. This was a player who should have been a no-brainer top five pick, and he fell to eight. An absolute steal for the Detroit Lions.
0: Trevor and Ben standing by at the Locked On NFL Draft Desk. Interested in their reactions
2: to the first two picks here on day two. Trevor and Ben from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Back for you at the TDN Virtual Draft Desk, if you will. Recapping picks seven and eight in this Locked On Mock Draft. Number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars picked TJ Hawkinson. Ben, let's talk Uh, about that a little bit before we get to Detroit.
3: Listen, love the player as we asked the question how valuable do you find tight ends well apparently in Jacksonville they find them as top 10 players Hawkinson is an instant combo tight end something they don't have on the roster yeah. his ability to block is big for their running game I mean I love the fit if they're I think they're better players on the board at seven higher impact players Brian Burns is a name but you can't argue with a good player
2: yeah I, I like the fit I really do especially since they're so committed to Nick Foles I think it makes sense, you know, that you're a Philly guy, you watch Nick Foles a lot, so right, it makes like sense right that on. if they are Really committed to him. It makes sense that he's kind of the one in this offense that they're really trying to help. Tight end, I think, is the best way to do that. Hawkinson's probably the highest floor with our high ceiling, too. But he's uh, just such an overall great tight end prospect. Really a plug-and-play guy. Let's go to Detroit, though. Detroit wins the Ed Oliver sweepstakes. We weren't sure when mm. it was going to end in almost any mock draft. I think that's almost the big question. What do you think about Oliver
3: landing here in Detroit? Do they need him? Nope. Do I like the fit? Sure. Yep. Hey, yeah, brother. Listen, <laughs> it's going to work well. Patricia knows how to use a player like Ed Oliver. It ain't going to be a problem. Now, they've got to figure out what the plan is. They got Trey Flowers, Demont Harrison, Deshaun Hand, Ed Oliver. I, I don't know who's going to be the edge rusher out of that group. Somebody's going to have to be on the outside. But those four can be some devastating interior players. It's going to be a ton of fun to see what Detroit's front four looks like moving forward.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm picturing it in my head now. Ed Oliver next to Snacks Harrison. And uh, mm-hmm. with with the athleticism of Gerard Davis behind him, that's a pretty fun little scenario there. So I like it. I know they are great. Get a great baby. So uh, I liked it. Good way to start off the mock. Brian and Matt back to you guys. Thanks,
0: fellas. The Buffalo Bills now are on the clock at pick number nine. And remember, to get this show every day, subscribe to Locked On NFL on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On NFL. And tell a friend their team's covered on the Locked On Podcast Network. So moving on here, Ed Oliver out of Houston, the pick four of the Detroit Lions at pick number eight. That brings us to the Buffalo Bills and number nine overall. And we've seen a pass catcher go off the board in tight end TJ Hawkinson, some other good tight ends in this class. We still haven't seen a wide receiver. Uh, Is this around the spot you think we might start to see a wide receiver fly off the board, Matt?
1: It's possible. I mean, Hakeem Butler's my favorite wide receiver, but most think DK Metcalf will be the first guy off the board. Uh, there's, he's been penciled into the bills and a lot of mocks and things that I've seen. Um, they've invested a lot at the wide receiver and offensive line positions though, to make Allen's life a little easier. It was a little rough on him to begin with, but that doesn't mean they couldn't get a star at either one of those positions still or a tight end. Um, the defensive line needs some work too.
0: It looks like the pick is in. Let's go to the Buffalo bills draft room and host of locked on
7: bills. Joe Marino. Joe Marino here from the Locked On Bills podcast, ready to make a pick here for the Buffalo Bills, who hold the ninth overall selection in the 2019 NFL Draft. When I think about my process here for what the Bills should do, there's three big needs on this football team, and I think their defensive tackle, getting a a wrecking ball interior penetration style player to replace what Buffalo has lost in Kyle Williams and give them a compliment to Star Tulele, a defensive end, an edge rusher, a guy that can really uh, wreck some havoc opposite of Jerry Hughes right now. The only defensive end on the team beyond this season is Trent Murphy. So there's a short- and long-term need for more pass rush off the edge as well as a need at tight end. The Bills have made a lot of moves to improve the offensive side of the football, but the tight end position is one where you just don't feel like there's a, a really dynamic player. And so there's certainly an opportunity for them to upgrade at that spot. Now, when I look over what's already happened here in this in this format, we've already got the impact tight end and TJ Hawkinson off the board to the Jaguars. I would love to think about a defensive tackle and, and really Ed Oliver would be the one that I would want the bills to consider at number nine he went number eight to the Detroit Lions and so you know really kind of took away my targets at tight end and at defensive tackle obviously if Quinn and Williams were to be available at defensive tackle that would be a quick and easy pick and you feel like maybe Christian Wilkins would be a good fit but um, could wait on him a little bit and not necessarily get that great top 10 value so when I think about the bills in the top 10 here you want to make sure that that. that you're getting a guy that can really make an impact in in an important way for the team. And and to me, uh, I have to go back to the value that's on the board right here at Edge Rusher and go with Brian Burns from Florida State. So with the ninth overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Brian Burns, Edge Rusher from Florida State. This is a very dynamic pass rusher. Uh, Got his weight up to 249 pounds, And uh, I know that's not ideal for a 4-3 defense, but I think that what this affords you is more scheme multiplicity and a guy that can really win in a variety of ways. I keep calling him the Derwin James of edge rushers because he can do so much for you. It's not that he can just rush the passer where I think he's got a great skill set. He can win in space and he can cover. And so I think that his ability to do all those different things is something that the Bills could use and become more multiple with their defense. He can do a lot of the things they're currently doing with Lorenzo Alexander, who's you know kind of on a year-to-year basis, but is an important player for the defense. And so, you know, his bread and butter is always going to be that pass rush ability, and, and he's got a great skill set. I think from a pass rushing perspective, he's the the best pass rusher in this year's class. The best pass rusher in this year's class. A guy that his blend of length, burst, flexibility variety of moves his vision in terms of how he reads an offensive tackle set and knows how to counter it he's so smooth he's so nuanced he's so explosive and so I I love the versatility that he could add to the Buffalo Bills if he were to be the pick here at number nine and the way things fell this certainly felt like the right thing to do to get that impact edge rusher. Give them a dynamic player right now opposite Jerry Hughes and a very important piece to build this defense around for the future, especially after all the investments they made in free agency on the offensive side of the ball.
0: So those pass rushers are flying off the board now. Florida State edge Brian Burns is the selection for the Bills at number 9. First of all, Matt, are you a little bit surprised they didn't try to help out their young quarterback in Josh Allen with this selection?
1: A little. I mean, because, I mean, free agency was all about that for Buffalo. Um, I don't know that there's an offensive lineman or a tight end or a wide receiver that I like more than Burns, though. I mean, I think Burns is a really dynamic edge bender. I mean, speed rusher, something they don't exactly have. You know, I mean, the the guys they have there are a little up in age. Um, Pass rush there is at a premium, and they, they don't like to blitz a ton. So you need a four-man road, you know, group out there that can get after the quarterback, and that's exactly what Burns brings.
0: And I love the Brian Burns pick here, and I know he doesn't bring a lot of power to the table, but I think if you compare him and and the guy he gets compared to most in this draft is Josh Allen, who went number three to the Jets. They both fly off the edge. They both have an ability to use speed around the corner. Both of them uh, could could stand to use a little bit more of a power move and maybe a varied. Pass rush coming into the NFL, but I think Burns actually has a better pass rush plan than Josh Allen did in college. Do you have a favorite between those two guys? Is there a big difference between who went number three overall, who went number nine overall, and who has maybe a higher upside in the NFL as a pass rusher?
1: Hmm, I guess Allen. I mean, he is the thicker bodied guy. Um, I love Burns a lot. I think this is a great pick. Joe's obviously dialed in not only with the Bills, but with the draft. So he has kind of an unfair advantage over some of the other owners in this. (laughs) Um, But one concern, and I know he weighed in and looked the part without question at the combine, but what's he actually going to play at? Is he going to keep that weight on? Or is he going to be 230 pounds? I mean, to me, I know Allen can hold the weight and be a little bit thicker, stouter frame.
0: We go back to Peter Bukowski breaking down yet another pass rusher going off the board in the top 10. A bit of a surprising pick here with
10: the Bills opting for the freaky athletic edge pass rusher over some other needs that they might have. Brian Burns sneaking into the top 10, and I have to be honest, it's not where I would have taken him. There were other guys on the board I felt like were better players overall, not just better athletes. pass rushers, though I thought there were better pass rushers on the board as well. That said, Burns is a freaky long, lanky edge rusher with athletic traits for days. He just wasn't quite consistent in applying those traits. It's hard to look at some of the other things he does outside of the athleticism and say this is what defines him as an elite prospect. He'll throw a terrific rush rep on tape and then disappear for a half. He doesn't use his length as well as he could and he has to get stronger. I know he added the weight, but I'm a little concerned that he simply lacks the ability to play to his potential, athletic potential. And I do wonder if playing undersized is the reason we didn't see some of those terrific rep moves come out play to play because he was just wearing down. That said, Burns was incredibly productive from the word go in Tallahassee because of those athletic gifts. He's going to need some seasoning to get to what his ceiling should be. He's certainly a first round talent based on pedigree production and tools, just not quite there on polish. It's not because of what he is now. It's because of what he could be, and what he could be is an absolute terror off the edge. In a division with Tom Brady, you can never
0: have too many guys hunting quarterbacks. Hawkinson, Oliver Burns going 7-8-9. That brings us to pick number 10 and the Denver Broncos, Cody Rourke standing by in the Denver War Room.
11: Sitting at the 10th pick in this year's NFL draft, the Denver Broncos will be looking to go best player available because they address some big needs in the offseason period of free agency. They traded Case Keenum away for Joe Flacco. They get a solidified quarterback there to go alongside Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton. They brought back tight end Jeff Hireman on a two-year, $9 million deal. They've invested a little bit of money too in the offensive line with Juwan James at right tackle. This almost eliminates the Broncos' necessity to go offense with the 10th pick in this year's draft. There's not a lot of investment on the real estate side of things for the Broncos to go quarterback with pick number 10 in this year's draft. The Broncos are going to be looking to do that next season. So with that said here, the Denver Broncos are looking at picking between defense best player available. The options on the table, the Broncos had on their board with Devin white. He went early with the Oakland Raiders at pick number four Ed Oliver was the next guy on the Broncos big board that the Detroit lions took with with eight, That leaves the Denver Broncos to select with pick number 10 in this year's NFL draft, Devin Bush, inside linebacker out of Michigan, who will provide Coach Fangio and Ed Donatello with range all across the field. He's a versatile inside backer that can cover tight ends, that can cover running backs out of the backfield. He's not at the level of Roquan Smith, according to Coach Fangio, but Devin Bush has the tools to be able to develop into a very, very big player for the team who needs help on the inside linebacking position alongside Todd Davis, Josie somebody that can cover tight ends in the AFC West where you have Travis Kelsey you have Hunter Henry the Broncos have struggled to cover the tight end for a long portion of the last five seasons now they have an option that can develop and be a guy with 4-4 speed to cover tailback swinging out of the backfield in the ever-evolving offensive style of the National Football League as well as those tight ends that like to line up in the slot or line up off the line of scrimmage Devin Bush gives the Broncos an ace in the deck with pick number 10
0: Our second Wolverine now off the board in inside linebacker Devin Bush. Man, an undersized player being talked about as a second-round pick in mocks maybe a month ago before the Combine. He went to the Combine and almost went toe-to-toe with Devin White in those workouts, just blazing 4-4 speed. I love Devin Bush. Completely worth a top-10 pick. Do you agree, Matt?
1: Yeah, I could see this being the pick for sure. Um, I know a lot of people are thinking quarterback for Denver, but... uh, I, I think after getting Flacco, Elway's seat's a little warm, and he might be living for today. And the key here is got to remember who they hired as their head coach. I mean, Vic Fangio comes is now gets his shot as a head coach. But when he was defensive coordinator, really uh, the, the teams that he was on very, very, very much stressed every down linebackers. You know, his Bears took Roquan Smith last year. Before that, he had like Bowman and Willis with the Niners. I mm-hmm. mean, he – taxes those guys and he needs high-end production from that position so if white's there if bush is there i could absolutely see that being the pick i mean the head coach is gonna love those guys
0: let's go to locked on wolverines host isaiah hole and get a little bit more info on the player
12: that is devin bush at five eleven, a lot of people consider devin bush to be undersized and that's something that he's actually used to his advantage Now, the thing about him, though, is he has a freakishly fast 4.43 speed as he showed out in the NFL Combine to go along with his penchant for hard hitting and sideline-to-sideline capability. He was the Michigan defense the last couple years, and as we saw when Michigan played Florida, they missed him greatly, and Florida was able to attack in ways that other teams were not able to because Devin Bush wasn't there to basically clean up mistakes. He is the type of guy that you can put out there on the defense, and you basically— are taking away a lot of what offenses want to do because of his range, because of the fact that he is able to be so mobile and so fast, and not to mention he tackles through the player. He doesn't miss tackles. He really basically doesn't get burnt that often. You can even put him in coverage if you really, really need to. He's that type of player.
0: Okay, we're back here with pick number 11, originally owned by the Cincinnati Bengals. They moved up to get their quarterback in Kyler Murray at five. That means the Tampa Bay Bucks are sitting here at 11, and Matt, I got to wonder, a lot of mock drafts have Devin White, the linebacker from LSU, going to the Bucks at 5. They probably thought making this trade, there was a really good shot they could still get Devin Bush at 11, but Cody Rourke and the Denver Broncos snuck in there at 10 and took Bush one spot ahead.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because you often see white mock to them, and like I said on yesterday's show, I just think where they're sitting at five is kind of a peculiar spot for them. Assuming that the you know the the, the guys off the board, do we expect to be off the board? Um, you know, the three stud defensive players and a, and a quarterback. That I I don't know the linebackers that much of a need. I mean, they they signed Buchanan um david returns and, and i know that you know they, they lost Quan Alexander, but uh, i just think they're okay there i mean the, the 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 corner position the safety positions worry me a lot more uh this is a todd bowls led defense once he puts a lot of stress on the corners you know we talked about how fangio and denver he, the most important position for him is an every down linebacker well Um, Bowles wants Revis, you know, he wants Peterson. I mean, those are the guys he coached. I mean, they put some on an Island. Unfortunately for Tampa though, it's not a very good corner draft at the top.
0: Well, we've got pick number 11 here. Tampa Bay Bucks are on the clock and the pick is in. So let's go to David Harrison and James Yarko inside the Bucks war room and find out who they're going to draft here at number 11.
13: All right, James Yarko and David Harrison here from the Locked on Bucks podcast. And this draft started off uh, with a curveball right out of the gate with, with Nick Bosa being drafted. Then we saw Quinn and Williams, Josh Allen, and Devin White finish out the top four. So David and I, we kind of started fielding some calls to try to get the Buccaneers out of this spot.
14: We made it known to the rest of the teams that number five was officially on the market once our two main targets were were off the board. And we talked to a couple teams, went back and forth a little bit with them and and kind of tried to get them to to bid against each other eventually we settled with the Cincinnati Bengals who took our pick number five for the Buccaneers we took their number 11 in the first round of this year's draft we also were able to get number 42 which I thought was really cool because we're hearing some murmurs that the Buccaneers are considering trying to add another second round draft pick to their current pile and then we got a 2020 third round pick just to to kind of sweeten the deal we we kind of had this this plan that you know we had a list
13: of guys and we said these are the guys that we're going to target at number 11 surely one of them is going to get to us none of them got to us which created kind of some havoc things didn't play out the way we kind of imagined there was only one quarterback taken in the top 10 and, and that's not the way david and i saw the this thing playing out so we took a gamble we rolled the dice. It didn't turn out the way that we really wanted it to, but we started discussing some of our options in that situation because, of course, now Ed Oliver's gone. Brian Burns is gone. Devin Bush is gone. Uh, Rashawn Gary went 6th went to the Giants. So we start talking about some guys that, that could fit the Buccaneers, and and we're talking about guys like Christian Wilkins, Chawan Taylor, Montez Sweat. Like, where, what direction do we go in? And and the more we talked about it, the more, I mean, either David or I are really sold on, on Montez test sweat and you know we we kept kind of circling back to to Christian Wilkins and how he's not quite Quinn and Williams or Ed Oliver but he's he's that next tier he could be that Gerald McCoy replacement that high upside of Jawan Taylor you know we we really like that I even threw out Byron Murphy you know there were a lot of options and, and ultimately I I finally kind of got so so frustrated that I washed my hands of the situation I said David what do you want to do? <laughs>
14: Yeah, and uh, after all that discussion and and all that back and forth, I mean, Juwan Taylor's a great talent, probably going to have a really solid pro career, but we really feel like the Buccaneers need to address the defense with that very first pick in, in such a stacked class this year. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at pick number 11, pick Christian Wilkins out of Clemson, defensive lineman, And James, just like you said, this is a guy who he's not going to play necessarily exactly what Gerald McCoy does. He's not going to necessarily produce exactly what Gerald McCoy does, but he's a very solid defensive lineman. We feel like you can come in, play that three tack or be shifted wherever Todd Bowles needs him to shift to uh, in order to make his scheme work. We weren't necessarily able to get one of those kind of marquee names that have been tied to the Buccaneers for most of this draft season. We feel like having the two second round picks are really going to help make up for that and give the Buccaneers some flexibility kind of take the best player available in round two at a position of need. I think to
0: some people following the draft that might not be familiar with that Clemson defensive line and the big bodied, possibly nose tackle, but with movement skills in Christian Wilkins, the defensive lineman out of Clemson, who is the selection by the Tampa Bay Bucks at pick 11. Uh, I've seen him sometimes this high in, in mocks, usually more like into the 20s, but a guy that can that can do what he can and that can move with that sort of a size, I think the sky's the limit for Christian Wilkins. And I got no problem with him going number eleven overall.
1: No, I don't either. And I think this is a very safe pick. I mean, I think that there's a very low bust percentage. Um he's a double a leadoff double off the wall. You know, I mean, I think it's a great way to start your draft. And they drafted Vita Vea in the first round last year. And Um, They have McCoy. So people are probably like, why are they going defensive tackle? And I think Wilkins is kind of a blend of the two. You know, if McCoy is the true three technique and Vey is the the true nose tackle, Wilkins is kind of exactly in between. And I also don't know that McCoy's in the long term plans. I mean, I I think he could be possibly uh, the next domino to fall and possibly even get traded
0: on draft day. And Christian Wilkins can double as your fullback too. So don't forget that. All right. That's important. Are you surprised that Wilkins was the first Clemson defensive lineman off the board?
1: No, I, I think he will be. I mean, this isn't a knock on the other guys, but I think he's, and, and I'm, uh, this is kind of secondhand information, but I think he's often considered the leader of that group. Um, kind of the hammer, the, the best worker, the best off the field. Again, that's not a knock on the others. And, you know, he's, At a premium position, too. So the other guys are quality players. We may hear their name called in the first round, but I do think Wilkins will be the first Clemson D lineman taken.
0: Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, AKA the draft dudes, here on the Locked On Podcast Network. How do you guys feel about the last few picks and the end results of that trade for Tampa?
8: Well, Joe, we've kind of teased it a little bit defensive line, quarterbacks. We didn't get any quarterbacks coming in the last few <laughs> picks. Uh, Denver Broncos ultimately going to go with Devin Bush. But this this string of picks, Detroit with Ed Oliver, Buffalo with Brian Burns, Devin Bush to the Denver Broncos, and Christian Wilkins to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do any of these stand out to you as like the home run pick of this slot?
7: You know, I think it kind of held form. Nothing really surprises me. I think what I consider most is when Tampa Bay made this move to go from 5 to 11, did they trade away from something they shouldn't have right cuz Christian Wilkins really good football player first round pick all day long but they were picking at number 5 was that a situation where they could have held serve there and got uh, a more impactful player in terms of uh, you know a blue chip type player so yeah, my question right now is was that too big of a of a drop
8: back and did they they get a, a premium player like they could have at number 5 i think Christian Wilkins there is a drop-off from him to Ed Oliver, and there's a drop-off from Quentin Williams to Ed Oliver, in my opinion. But for them to get 42 in a 2023, I like the extra draft capital because Tampa's like all in right now. Right. Bruce Arian's one of the oldest head coaches in the league coming out of retirement. So to get a quality into your defensive lineman and an extra early second round pick to give you another player that can hopefully make a difference for your team right away. I actually like this move for the Buccaneers because it gives them extra ammo going into 2019.
7: One last thought on that, Kyle, is that Tampa moved from 7 to 12 last year and got two second round picks from the Bills. They go from 5 to 11 and can only net a second and a third round pick. The third round pick coming in 2020. I do not like what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did with this trade and
8: what they came away with. Beggars can't be choosers, brother. Let's uh, let's get that ammo out there, and the market's going to dictate what you can get on a year-by-year basis.
0: All right, thanks, guys. Got to step aside momentarily here. Be back with picks 12 and 13 to finish up day two of the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft. All right, let's keep this thing rolling. We're at pick 12 in the mock draft, and we've already heard from our guy Peter Bukowski, who's our defensive line and pass rusher expert, weighing in on some of these draft picks now. Now Peter, who is the host of Locked On Packers has a chance to make his own selection number 12 the Green Bay Packers are on the clock and let's go to the Packers war room and Peter Bukowski listen I couldn't have been happier with what was going on ahead of me
10: in the draft given the players that were coming off the board when I saw someone like Rashawn Gary go when I saw Devin White go these were guys I knew that if they were on the board when I was picking at 12, they just weren't going to be in the mix for me. Christian Wilkins going at 11. I mean, I was worried that they were going to take Sweat, who is the player that ultimately just fell into my lap. Montez Sweat, to me, I mean, there are there are maybe, maybe four players better than him in this draft. For me, it was Bosa, Allen, Oliver, and Quinnen Williams. And that was the full list. I was in on Montez Sweat before he blew up the combine. When you are 6'5", 250, and you can do the things that he can do with his length. I mean, he measured in like an albatross at the combine with those enormous arms. This dude is a 747 who can rush the passer. It's absolutely unbelievable watching what he can do at his size. He is more flexible than we thought, tested much better in change of direction than we thought he might, which to me signals there's upside there. He can get better. He's already a good technician with his arms and using his hands to get off blocks, but he can get even better with counters and all of the different nuanced parts of what it takes to be an elite pass rusher in the NFL. For me, the question was, what is his value to the Packers? Because they just paid Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith to be impact pass rushers on this team. So is Sweat, going to play enough snaps to justify the 12th pick over the course of, let's say, his rookie contract, because if Zadarius and Preston are good, maybe Montez Sweat doesn't have enough opportunities to make this pick worth it. For me, it was about value. You can never have too many pass rushers. And Zadarius and Preston Smith both have the, the size. They're both big guys for edge rushers. And so you can slide them inside. In fact, Zadarius Smith's best position is inside as a pass rusher. So then you put Sweat outside him, and he can go. Sweat also has the length and the experience at Mississippi State. He played some five technique for them. He rushed as an A-gap blitzer for them at times his athleticism and size makes him incredibly versatile he could even put on another 10 or 15 pounds and not lose much so when you're getting this kind of pass rusher which for me there are five blue chip players in the draft I mentioned that he is one of them if you can get that at the 12th pick you just do it every time in my opinion there were other players that I think Packer fans might have wanted to see more than than sweat here. There wasn't a player that that was on the board that I wanted to see any more than sweat that I thought was realistic. If Ed Oliver had fallen, he would have been on the radar. That would have been a, a really intriguing set of options if both of them are there because Ed Oliver could have stepped right in. As a starter, you put him with Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels and suddenly you've got a defensive line that is an absolute terror. I still think... You put Sweat in here. He can play as a rookie. You play 40% of snaps. Maybe you get to 50, there's an injury. But Zadarius and Preston Smith have in their careers been extremely durable. This is more about sub-package flexibility. It's about giving Mike Patton options. Play any of these guys, any of the Smiths and Sweat. Play them anywhere and give your defensive coordinator all this flexibility to go be creative and go get after Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford and Mitch Trubisky. Because if you want to win in the NFC, you're going to have to take down Drew Brees. You're going to have to take down Jared Goff. If you want to win the Super Bowl, you're going to have to go beat Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Andrew Luck and these quarterbacks. You have to find guys who can hunt and Montez Sweat multiple years of high-level sack production, one of the most down-to-down, consistently disruptive pass rushers in college football last season, as well as one of the best run-defending edge players in college football last year per Pro Football Focus. So he's a guy who can do it all.
0: I was thrilled that he fell to 12 for us here. Edge rusher Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. Uh, I I got a little bit worried when Montez Sweat blew up the combine that he would vault himself all the way up into the top five range and maybe be a little bit overdrafted. I feel a lot more comfortable with a team like the Packers taking Montez Sweat at number 12 because he has that immense potential, but he's just, he's just scratching the surface.
1: Yeah, I mostly agree. I mean, I do think this is the neighborhood he goes. I just don't love the fit, to be honest with you. I mean, they just spent big money on Smith and Smith as their edge guys. And trust me, I would, I don't ever condemn a team for, boy, you got too much pass rush. I mean, in like today's NFL, that's not how the world works. But I just look at, you know, who Rodgers is throwing to right now. And the, I don't love the offensive line situation there. I know offensive line aren't sexy picks for these type of deals, but adding a quality one there could go a long way. Um, And right now, I mean, it's a Devontae Adams show and not a lot else. And I can see if you don't love DK Metcalf, okay, or you you don't trust Noah Fant. But I I would be more in the market for an offensive playmaker here.
0: Taking a look at the Miami Dolphins now, they are early on in what looks to be maybe a multi-year major rebuild right now. They've got to figure some things out at quarterback, uh, wide receivers. All are still on the board right now in this 2019 Locked On Podcast Network mock draft. Uh, how do you build this thing? If you're the Dolphins, do you start at quarterback or do you try to build a team around and then plop a quarterback in when you have something, something going with the roster around them?
1: I mean, it's a mess. I mean, and this is going to be a Browns like rebuild and it can work. I mean, obviously with what the Browns have done in the last couple of years is really build a great roster. It worries me. I would never turn my nose up at somebody that I think is a franchise quarterback, but I don't think this is the time to add one. Ideally, or certainly to trade up and, you know, you need every pick you could possibly get. I keep using the word infrastructure, and Miami's infrastructure right now is a disaster. I mean, they need linemen bad on both sides of the ball, or you risk, you know, what we saw with Rosen last year. You throw him in a situation where he can't survive and can't succeed. I don't know that that's good for a quarterback. I would love to see them go a big guy in the first couple rounds, and then next year, which is supposedly a better class, and they absolutely could have the first pick overall. Who knows? That's risky business. But then you add your quarterback. But again, you don't turn your nose up at at one if you like them here. But uh, I would I would
0: be leaning towards line. And I think that the Miami Dolphins could be listening to trade offers to move down because I think that really helped. You mentioned the Cleveland. Browns type of rebuild, having all those extra picks can really help. So I don't think the Dolphins would be that team that wants to move up to draft a quarterback, even with the need they have at quarterback. Now, if one falls to them, it starts to make a little bit more sense and even trading down for the Dolphins, collecting picks and really helping their future rebuild because it is a multi-year situation with this roster in the, the shape that it's in. But the pick is in now, pick number 13 overall, the Miami Dolphins and Travis Wingfield standing by in the Dolphins' war room.
15: What's up draft fans, it's Travis Wingfield here from the Locked On Dolphins Draft Room here to tell you how general manager Chris Greer and company arrived at this decision for the 13th pick of the 2019 NFL Draft. Now first things first, we spoke to two teams about trades. The goal was to go up and select quarterback Kyler Murray once Arizona went with Bosa and negotiations with Tampa Bay were not fruitful despite offering a package of picks that included two first round choices. Then, after the defensive talent was plucked dry, the goal was to move back down the board. The only team interested was the Kansas City Chiefs, but the offer of pick 29 and pick 63 came up quite shy of our asking price. We wanted a 2020 first-round pick, assuming it would come in the 20s due to the Chiefs' position in the AFC pecking order. Finally, we were forced to reluctantly pick at 13 from a board that was rather wanting. Ed Oliver and Brian Burns were players we liked, but both were gone, and the way the board stacked up, the offensive tackle position was attractive, but we just weren't in love with any one player. Plus, with no tackles gone, we felt good about a couple of our favorites sliding with a chance to address the position later on. Garrett Bradbury out of NC State drew strong, strong consideration at this pick, but we ultimately decided that Dan Kilgore would compete at center with a rookie we select later on and decided to go in another direction. And that direction involves a swing at the quarterback position. Despite this class leaving plenty to be desired at the position, we felt good about only two of them. We were surprised more weren't taken in the top 10, and with such a glaring long-term need at the position, we wanted to put ourselves in a position where we gave Coach Flores and the impressive staff he assembled, along with Chris Greer's reshaped front office, with competence at the position that requires it, for any hope of success in this league. And with that, with the 13th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Dwayne Haskins, quarterback, Ohio State, Haskins' mental makeup jived with our core philosophies. We know football is important to him and that the study habits, the lifestyle of playing professional quarterback, his locker room presence and leadership pedigree, as well as his accuracy metrics, checked the boxes of our most essential demands from the position. Aside from two promising seasons from Ryan Tannehill and a Chad Pennington one-hit wonder masterpiece, the Dolphins have been a barren wasteland at the game's most important position for almost two decades. This in no way will impede the Finns from jumping back into the quarterback market in the 2020 draft class, and it may be presented as a redshirt year for Haskins, but he will compete with newly signed Ryan Fitzpatrick and, as every first-round quarterback does within the first five to six weeks, eventually sees the starting job. The rest of this draft is now about accumulating more picks and going for a quantity-based approach. Miami feels the middle portion of this draft, rounds two through three, are stocked with starters at position of need, like defensive end, offensive line, and in the secondary.
0: And there goes Dwayne Haskins, the second quarterback so far in this Locked On Podcast Network 2019 mock draft. Dwayne Haskins, the signal caller out of Ohio State. And at this point, if the guy drops to you, you almost have to make the pick if you're the Dolphins, right?
1: Yeah, I, I can't argue with this. Kind of like I said going into the pick that if you if there is a franchise quarterback there, take him. You know, I mean, he, I, I'm a big Haskins believer. I think you do need to protect him, of course, though. I mean, he's not the most mobile guy. And uh, they have Fitzpatrick. So this could be a type of year where you really sit him and redshirt him. He's only a one-year starter at college. But everyone says that, and then he's in there in week four after you're oh, and 3 you know, and <laughs> Uh, I would be careful, you know, I mean, he's, it would be a difficult situation to throw Haskins into, but, I mean, you get a franchise quarterback at 13, how can I really condemn him for that? I mean, that, that's that's a nice pickup.
0: Yep, I totally agree there, and let's see if our quarterback expert, Mark Schofield of Inside the Pylon and Pro Football Weekly, agrees and get his breakdown of the Buckeye quarterback, now Miami Dolphin, Dwayne Haskins.
5: This is Mark Schofield here to break down the second quarterback picked in the first round of the Locked On NFL Podcast Network mock draft, and that is Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State, who was selected at the 13 spot by the Miami Dolphins. And this is a fascinating decision by the Miami Dolphins because they get perhaps the most pro-ready, prototypical NFL quarterback in this draft with Haskins out of Ohio State. He's a quarterback with a tremendous mental process, his ability to sort of read and diagnose a defense at the level line of scrimmage in the pre-snap phase as well as into the post-snap phase might be among the best traits of any quarterback in this class. In addition, Haskins has the process and speed necessary to adjust to life in the National Football League. You see him on a number of plays, diagnosed at a defensive rotation right after the snap, and still making strong, accurate throws with good decision-making. Now, there are some areas where he will need to improve, such as on his downfield throws, his mechanics, and he's not the most athletic quarterback, so he will need to learn how to move and slide in the pocket, much like, say, a Tom Brady does, also in the AFC East. But in terms of acquiring the quarterback to build around, this is a great acquisition and he will be running an offense. What we expect to see from Chad O'Shea is a time-in rhythm-based offense focused on throws in the short and intermediate areas of the field. That is a great fit for Haskins. And so a very good pick by Miami to build towards the future and have their quarterback in place to build around. Thanks for the breakdown, Mark.
0: And that is the last selection of day two here on the Locked On Podcast Network mock draft. Let's run down the picks again, and then, Matt, I want to get your final thoughts. Number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting tight end out of Iowa, TJ Hawkinson. Ed Oliver, defensive tackle out of Houston to the Detroit Lions at pick eight. The Buffalo Bills select Brian Burns, edge rusher from Florida State. Number 10, Devin Bush, the second Wolverine of this draft going to to the Broncos with the 10th pick, number 11, the Tampa Bay Bucks after moving down from pick 5, select Christian Wilkins, defensive lineman out of Clemson. Montez Sweat, edge rusher, Mississippi State, goes to the Green Bay Packers. And the Miami Dolphins select Dwayne Haskins, quarterback from Ohio State, at pick 13. Do you have a favorite selection here from day two of this mock?
1: Uh, this one was a little less surprising than day one. And the easy low-hanging fruit to me is Hawkinson, because I'm a big, big believer. I would say Sweat's my least favorite pick of the group. Um, Devin Bush to, to Denver, though. I mean, I know some people probably think that's early. I don't. I just think that he's a real impact player. So I would say Hawkinson and Bush are my two favorites.
0: Taking a look ahead at Wednesday's show, and we've got picks 14 through 20, starting with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, how do you feel about the board and how things are playing out? Is there any obvious players that are sitting there like, hey, draft me. What am I doing here still at pick 14?
1: Um, offensive linemen. Uh, I mean, uh, there's a, there's such an offensive line need in the league that it would really surprise me if we went this far without one being taken. And I don't know that it's a great class, and there's certainly not a Jonathan Ogden out there, you know, but the the need is so great that. I would think you got to start scooping those guys up for sure. And and the, I'm not saying it's not unrealistic, but I would be surprised if we go 13 picks, Without an offensive lineman being picked, uh, you know, w- when the real draft rolls around.
0: That's a great point. And we've seen the run on edge players as expected, but on the offensive side of the ball, no offensive tackles have been taken yet. No wide receivers have been taken yet. DK no Metcalf is still out there. No it, quarterbacks it, yeah. have been taken. That's correct. So all linebackers, all edge players, all defensive linemen, and a couple of quarterbacks is what we've seen. And in fact, looking at it right now, tight end and quarterback. That's the only offensive positions that have been taken <laughs> in the first 13 picks. Kind of wild.
1: That is kind of wild. And we know it will be a defensive-heavy draft um, early, and that makes perfect sense. But I think the things are going to gonna start swapping soon. I mean, that's going to start switching around a little bit.
0: All right, Matt, looking forward to day three of the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL Mock Draft. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you're in your car, tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked on NFL.